Joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat, and it's always shining on his side of the neighborhood. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, thanks, everybody, for uh, the uh, the cards and calls and emails and things about uh, my bride and my Aww. anniversary. So it was awfully nice of you. Uh, just talked to a, a nice woman from Albert Lee who has bees in the wall. Uh-oh. And... Uh, yeah, she said her dog, uh, well, you know how dogs can be there. Um, they're pretty good at entertaining themselves sometimes in ways that maybe they shouldn't always do that. So it ended up getting stung by the bees several times, so now the dog doesn't want to go in the house. So she's. Uh, oh. I put her in contact with a couple of beekeepers, and I hope they come over. And the two things we typically get in the walls as far as those insect guys go are honeybees, and they have nests built out of wax, and the other one we get in there are yellow jackets, and their nests are more paper-like in there. So. And when they get out, they are they can sting. Yeah, and yellow jackets can uh, sting repeatedly, yes. and they are sometimes just uh, uh, they're looking for a fight. Where mm-hmm. honeybees, not so much. And you know, I I love dogs, and dogs uh, get over there and dig around and snoop in things, and I'm sure they. Uh, they thought this was an aggressive mood on the part. And it's one of those little pseudo auxiliary dogs. I've had them. Like mine was a chihuahua. You know, it's, um, my uncle said that that's not a real dog, is it? And I thought, <laughs> yeah, it's a real dog. And he just, he liked the big black labs and things like that. But uh, my little chihuahua thought he was half pit bull and half rottweiler so he didn't know he was really small i'm still seeing a lot of orioles on my uh, bird feeders here so it's i keep feeding them more grape jelly so there's still some a lot of them actually passing through here and wolfing down the jelly and i'm just uh, very pleased with their company and I listened to black-capped chickadees making their chickadee dee 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 calls and increased the number of D notes uh, when alarmed. And I found no reason for their concern, but I'm sure there was one, because uh, the song of the chickadee is a whistled Phoebe or love you. But chickadee dee dee is their call. And Gail and I were on, <clears throat> I was over by Fairfax off the Fort Road, and we were out by Pikel's Hill, which is just a wonderful thing. And we, and uh, along with George Pikel, we were leading wagon tours uh, pulled by an old John Deere tractor, and we're going through, and we're looking at prairie, and it's just beautiful now with all the flowers and the big blue stem and uh, all those kind of things. So it was fun being out there. And when we came back through, here was a an owl. So that's what the chickadees were d d d d and about. So whenever I hear that, I'm sure I might not find reason for their concern, but I you can be pretty sure there is one, or they wouldn't be doing that. Some of you might uh, have read this is from the DNR about the annual roadside pheasant survey. And I just heard South Dakota's was up about 10% statewide in numbers. Minnesota, um, not so, not not quite that good. We went down another 17% in the mm. overall pheasant index. This is from last year. And we're 11% below the 10-year average and 60% below the long-term average. And I guess that comes as no surprise to most people is they don't just don't see pheasants much. And it 
decrease through much of the pheasant range, except here in south-central Minnesota and then in east-central. Here we went up 24%. So we have 24% more according to roadside counts than we had last year as far as pheasants here. East-central went up 13% over last year. What uh, makes the populations fluctuate? Well, weather and habitat are the main influences on pheasant populations. And overall conditions for winter survival of wildlife once again, we're below average to average throughout the farmland areas. Uh, we had deep and persistent snow cover over much of the core pheasant range. And then we combined that with colder than normal temperatures, and that would adversely impact survival. Cooler than normal temperatures in the spring, flooding caused by melting snow and above normal precipitation, delayed nest initiation. And then mild summer temperatures and drier weather that we got all of a sudden, that benefited birds nesting or re-nesting later in the season. And the average hatch date in 2019 was about a week later than in 2018. They also did uh, other species surveying of those and how their numbers compared with 2018 were gray partridge numbers were up. Uh, eastern cottontail or steady, white-tailed deer. And this might not surprise anybody either. White-tailed deer numbers are up 45%. Uh, morning doves are down 29%, and sandhill cranes are up 25%. Hmm. This time I'm looking out my window, and there are warblers galore in the shrubbery. Um, warblers like to find sunny sites to glean insects from vegetation. Uh, warblers can be hard to pin down as most, uh, as are most things in life. They just, uh, they're caffeinated. They're just, boy, they're going and going trying to find insects. I have some northern flickers. They're flashing white rump patches in flight, and they feed on the ground as they migrate through. So they're not so much woodpeckers as groundpeckers this time of year. Uh, flotillas of dragonflies are still moving through. Uh, look for ant flight dispersals. Might seem to be done here now. The company of flowers blooming in September. There's a bunch of them. If you see blue flowers, probably blue vervain, blue lobelia, or smooth blue asters. They're probably the most common that bloom all the way through September. If you see white ones, common yarrow, white snake root, I can see some of that from my window here, hedge bindweed, flat top white aster, wild cucumber, which is everywhere, annual fleabane, and heath aster. Then into the yellows, yeah, a lot of yellows. Jerusalem artichoke, sneeze weed, smooth oxeye, common evening primrose, black-eyed Susan, compass plant, cup plant, Canada goldenrod. If you love insects, look at Canada goldenrod. There's great communities of insects there. Uh, zigzag goldenrod and stiff goldenrod. And then purple and pink, a lot of the blazing stars, rough northern plains prairie meadow uh, those are all blazing stars and then new england asters and the orange spotted touch me nots and then red cardinal flower uh, eastern kingbirds are appearing they look like they're dressed in business suits it looks like they're just on the wire waiting <laughs> for the the meeting to begin they got the one last guy is still coming and he's got the proposal so they got to wait for him <laughs> 
uh, they're gathering in flocks in preparation for migration. And Tom Jessen, our good friend TJ from Adelia, said the September rains have started up the salamander migration once again. Not that they're going anywhere in particular, just up and walking around. Be on the watch for what looks like little black cigars sliding across the road. So, yeah, they're doing a walkabout. I was going to ask you about also things migrating. I noticed um, my first snapping turtle running across the road, and I've started to notice frogs going across as well. Is this kind of the season for them as well? This is the, uh, they call it the fall shuffle, even though we're not into fall. Mm-hmm. Unless you go by the meteorological date, then September 1st was the first day of fall. Uh, but for a lot of us, it's kind of Labor Day, and we think, boy, once Labor Day hits, then it's really, it's fall. And so they're doing that fall shuffle. So a lot of things are moving around trying to figure out where they're going to spend the winter. And they got a little bit of time here, and they can move about and just find secure places, and they're looking for a, a lot of places to uh, where there's good food. I walk till, oh, I shouldn't even tell people I'm an idiot out walking, but it was probably <laughs> 1130 at night, you know, out there walking around. And luckily I live on an area where there isn't a lot of traffic, so I can hike down the road and do things like that. But there were toads everywhere, big toads. And uh, I I had to walk kind of, I tried to walk in the certain areas. I went back and forth because I thought maybe I'd chase them out of there so I wouldn't be walking on any of them because that would be a, a, that'd be horrible for me to step on a toad. I love toads. Uh, anything that eats slugs, I really like. Me I just, too. They're wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, stuff is doing that fall shuffle already. Uh, Lauren Kaiser of Albert Lee, who takes care of the Albert Lee Audubon Preserve that's right in the middle of Albert Lee, 12 acres of wonderful trails at the end of Oregon Street. So any Albert Lee or area listeners, go out there and walk around. It's free. You can't hardly beat that. Uh, but Lauren sent me, uh, showed me some photos of a pileated woodpecker family that's in the preserve there. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Dustin Demmer of Oatana. Uh, thanks, Dustin, for uh, uh, pointing out the monarch butterfly roofs. And I went and took a bunch of pictures of it, and uh, I put them, uh, I, I read a column about nature, so I, I included some in there. It's just, it was neat. There was uh, one of these times where you can actually say they were countless because there were so many and they were flying around all the time, so there was just, there was no way to count them. Uh, Jerry Victoria, I stopped out to see Jerry. He's from Allendale. He just wanted to show me all the monarch butterflies he had in his yard. He said he'd never seen so many, and he also had some cedar wax wings. Uh, Bud, who works for Senior Perspective in Glenwood, Minnesota. Glenwood, Minnesota is where they used to produce Lutefus TV dinners with mashed potatoes and peas, and I would buy them as You made that up, didn't you? That's not real, is it? No. (laughs) <laughs> no, uh, this is true. I believe I'd, you. I'd make it for for some of my idiot friends and, and relatives. You know, I'd, I'd get them that because they, um, I, I don't know that it made them happy, but they knew I was thinking of them. And so in that no longer, uh, Bud tells me that particular enterprise is no longer operating. Uh, go figure. <laughs> I thought they'd uh, come up on a gold mine with Lutefist TV dinners. 
Uh, Bud said he said everyone seems to be seeing more butterflies this year, and he sent a photo for identification. It was an eastern tiger swallowtail. It was a black uh, butterfly, and black means it's a female. Females can be black or yellow. Mm. Uh, males are yellow only. Paul Schwab, a uh, good friend from Owatonna, said the chucker partridge is still hanging around there, and the chucker is an escapee from somewhere. Who knows from where? Uh, Daniel Otten sent me a photo of a, a tiny little snake, and uh, it was uh, the cats had found it. Cats are really good. Kittens had found it. Uh, uh, they're good at finding tiny little snakes. And this is like a night crawler almost. It's a red belly snake, and they're only probably nine inches long on average, and they have a red but sometimes salmon or orange belly. They, too, are great eaters of slugs, and they're cute little snakes. And they, along with the green snakes, and I called them grass snakes when I was growing up, were snakes that often found their way into my pockets. They were pocket size. <laughs> oh, and I just thought they're... they're <laughs> Yeah, they're both so beautiful. Yeah, my mom would always say, Eleanor, is there anything <laughs> in your pockets that I should know of before, you know, I wash the clothes and empty your pockets? And I'd have to go look because there was always a, a skeletal head of a mouse oh, or something that I'd geez. found. And, uh, Cleone Stewart, a friend from Detroit Lakes, said the cooler, wetter summer has reduced the number of insects in the Detroit Lakes area. The deer fly horsefly invasion was only about three weeks instead of a couple months this summer. Without the hot August weather, there was only a day or two that buildings had an overabundance of flies sunning themselves. Jim Johnson of Heartland asked, are, are the barn swallows gone? And they migrate to Central and South America, so they got to be out of here when the insect numbers drop. So they will migrate from late July to late October. So, uh, Jim, yes and no. Some are gone, some are still here. Andy Deerdahl of Albert Lee. Uh, Andy said so many goldfinches. He's, he's moved to a new place, and he put up all his feeders, and he said apparently they were waiting for him to put up those feeders because, boom, they were <laughs> just there, and he said they're so beautiful. Uh, Steve Weston said, I'm beginning to see early signs of migration about my yard. Today we had a Swainson thrush feeding on dogwood berries. We also had an immature chestnut-sided warbler fatally hit the window, which for some reason is a rare occurrence here. We've had daily visits from a male pileated that likes our suet. I flushed a cooper's hawk from a perch, and yesterday I heard our local red-shouldered hawk calling. Interestingly, the Blue jays here imitate the red-shouldered rather than the red-tailed calls. Hummingbirds rarely visit our feeder, apparently too busy with a spot of jewelweed flourishing in the yard. Large moths have been visiting the kitchen windows, probably locust underwings, although I am seeing them from the wrong side for an ID. Leopard frogs and toads are thick in the yard. And Kathy Confer. Uh, Kathy is a volunteer bird bander, and she was, yesterday morning, she was doing banding at Springbrook Nature Center. It's 
Um, I'm sure a lot of listeners have been there. It's in Fridley, which would be, boy, I think that's Anoka County. And she said, uh, uh, on Monday, we had an abbreviated bird banding session due to the number of birds being netted, trapped, and the cool, rainy weather. The total was 119 birds and 28 species, including 11 warbler species, Canada, Tennessee, Nashville, chestnut-sided, golden wing, magnolia, black and white, common yellow throat, American red start, oven bird, and northern water thrush. Also worth mentioning, a blue-headed vireo and a yellow-throated vireo, plus a couple of brown thrashers and common grackles. Birds are definitely on the move. They sure are. And somebody who just sent me something just now asked, do, are, do the hummingbirds migrate by day or by night? Hmm. Uh, our ruby-throated hummingbirds migrate by day, except when crossing the Gulf of Mexico. And that's, I don't know, 550, 600 miles, I suppose, depending on where out they go there. So then, once you're flying, unless you find a boat or something to land on, you got to keep going. So they keep going until they reach the other side, whether it's day or night. How do they have enough energy wife? to do that, Al? Because, I mean, they're so oh, tiny, and I'm just curious. They are. And they actually put on fat. Okay. And so they they will live off that fat. Oh, wow. And when you see people banding birds, you can actually see the fat oh. on, on the birds. And these little guys, they're, that's why they need all that sweet sugar water and nectar, and that keeps them going. And speaking of that, we have one in our yard, and he's been here for a few days, and he sits on the exact same spot on the perch, and he just waits for another hummingbird to come in there, and, and he chases it away. And I know folks have asked me many times, why does it do that? What's wrong with it? Why can't, it, why can't they all just get along? <laughs> and it happens every year in our, in our yard around this time. Uh, we become a temporary home to a number of nectar Nazis that are declaring ownership of every drop of sugar water. Uh, hummingbirds are aggressive because they can't afford to share flowers during hard times when not many blossoms are available, like now. So this is important because flowers produce limited amounts of nectar, and this behavior is so deeply ingrained that it's carried over to our sugar water feeders. And I can almost hear a hummingbird declare this about the nectar feeders. They're magically delicious, as if they contain Lucky Charms cereal, and the tiny bird chases other hummingbirds away. The Lucky Charms leprechaun said, they're always after me Lucky Charms. Well, the hummingbird knows that the other hummingbirds are always after its nectar. There are no pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars, or green clovers in sugar water, but you feed more hummingbirds by employing several small feeders rather than one large one. And then space the feeders widely and they'll be less likely to arouse the bird's territorial instincts. So if you put one in front of the house and one on the side, maybe one in the back, you'll get more hummingbirds because they just won't be able to see one another. That's how the fights start. Well, Al, I want to thank you for that suggestion because now I know what to put on my Christmas list because I have one hummingbird feeder in town and one at the lake house. And 
I never thought that I should have more than one, but now that is a, a really good one to put on my Christmas list. And also, do you know that Lucky Charms have more than moon stars and hearts? Now they have unicorns in them. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Several I had different no colors. <laughs> several different colors of unicorns. There was a sale and I thought, I haven't had Lucky Charms and I saw they were gluten free. I'm like, Oh, I could have these and but the unicorns, they're giant like horse heads with the horn thing on them and they're different colors and it's just it's very very sugarful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> unicorn heads are big. Yeah, I I would think so. Yeah. Well, I'm just I am I am saddened by my lack of keeping up on Lucky Charms. I don't know. You know, I I do when I go get cereal. I I walk that cereal aisle, and I I plan on about fifteen minutes walking up and down mm-hmm. that cereal aisle, looking at the back of cereal boxes, trying to avoid everybody in a hurry with their shopping cart, trying to decide what kind of cereal would be good for me. <laughs> looking at the back to see if they have any games or anything that I might be interested in playing. And then I come out with uh, Cheerios or, <laughs> or Raisin Bran each time. So do you know I what, don't know why I just don't go there. Do you know what I really miss is when they used to have the prize in the, the cereal and you used to you know dig through the cereal with your dirty hands and then wait till you got that little prize toy at the bottom. I mean, uh, whatever, whoever thought of that. But that used to be our thing. The minute we got a new box of cereal, Whoever opened the box first around the breakfast table would get the prize, dig your hand in, and scoop it out, and they just don't do that anymore. They don't. And they, I remember they used to have actual records on the back of them, yes. um, and then they would have baseball cards. So as soon as we get the box home, I'd take a scissors, of course, <laughs> and cut all that off, and then Mom would have to find one of those Tupperware things to put all the cereal in because I've, I've cut because. Usually I'd cut too deep and cut a hole in the bag, too, so it was, but I had to get those baseball cards right away, because otherwise I don't know what would happen to them in the cupboard there, but some terrible thing. Uh, John McCormick, um, John is from Michigan, I know that, and he wrote of large numbers of Orioles in the cuff of Michigan's Lower Peninsula, so he lives in the cuff of Michigan's Lower Peninsula. But they had left until a lone male oriole appeared on the feeder today. And John asked if it had been migrating from farther north than the others and if orioles migrate individually. Baltimore orioles breed into central Canada, so it's very possible, John, that that's that's what's happening there. They migrate in flocks at night and feed during the day. And their migration happens in July, August, and September. There are always outliers. So there could always be one. Who knows why? I, I just don't know. Uh, they have all kinds of stories to tell. Uh, I know a lady had an Oriole get in her garage somehow, and it was in there for a couple of days. Uh, I don't know if it saw that red bulb and thought that was a feeder. They're not typically a bird that comes in there. Hummingbirds will regularly do that. But so that would have put it a couple of days off tracking with the rest of the flock because they're not going to wait up for it. They're going to say, where's George? I don't know, but we got, you know, we got a schedule here and a way to go. So maybe that's what happened. Who knows what happened? It's just uh, their their lives don't always run to to a schedule and just like ours. We have things come up, and I'm sure they have things come up 
they could be uh, an illness or you know a slight injury that they were able to overcome and so i yeah i'm sure it's going to be all right john that was nice of you to care and it's uh it's a beautiful time of the year i hope everybody's getting outside going for a walk i see the squirrels out there how smart are squirrels one was the valedictorian of my graduating class <laughs> that's how smart they are and not by just a little bit i mean it just wiped up the rest of us uh, somebody told me they saw a squirrel that looked as if it were eating pavement and i hear from somebody every year about this it's if you saw a squirrel pressing its nose to the pavement or road a parking lot it could be just getting water there could be water there and it's licking it up but it could be licking minerals especially salt Uh from the cement or asphalt so they find they need that in their diet and that could be what's going on they just uh, they're very good at at surviving out there now while you're Uh, on the topic of squirrels i wanted my son and i my 12 year old and i have been riding our bike and there's the fitness trail that goes around msu around the outside and it's kind of a wood wooded area uh, around all the fields the the practice fields for the sports and i cannot tell you how many squirrels we have seen we've seen a lot of black squirrels uh, gray squirrels and we even saw a squirrel running and all of a sudden it just about wiped us off our bike but a hawk swooping right in front of us to try and get that squirrel but he just at the last second was able to escape into the woods and i was glad for that but, I mean, they are really out there, and I'm assuming it's because they're, they're hiding their, their cash for the winter someplace. They, they are, and there seems to be a great deal of acorns in many places this year, so the squirrels are really busy burying those acorns and hiding it. And if you watch them when they do that, they'll come out and they'll bury it. Well, first they'll dig a hole, and then they look all around, and then they spit the acorn in that hole, and then they look all around again. Then they cover it all up, (laughs) and then they look all around again because they want to make sure there's not another squirrel. (laughs) Very often the blue jays love acorns, and they'll come down and get them. Gray squirrels will uh, usually bury red acorns. Uh, White acorns are more likely to uh, sprout, to germinate in the soil pretty quickly. So the red acorns, uh, from red oaks rather, they will, well they'll keep longer. And gray squirrels are scatter hoarders. So we all know that wonderful aunt that has hoarded (laughs) beanie babies. Oh no. (laughs) That was going to be her retirement plan and she's got a whole room full of them and and uh, so each time you go visit her, she said, why don't you pick one there you like? And I oh, man, I just, I hate <laughs> to break up the set. They are, squirrels differ a little bit because with acorns, they will just bury them all over. So they're scatter hoarders. So if somebody finds it, they will bury it all over. Red squirrels, they have what are called middens. So they just pile stuff up, all in a big pile, like the aunt with the beanie babies. They got them all in one place, and then they kind of guard it. So if you go near one of their middens on a walk, you will hear that red squirrel scolding. But gray squirrels, they're scatter hoarders, and they're, they have a great sense of smell. So they're able to smell where these things are buried. Do they always dig up their own? No, they don't care if they're the one that buried it or not. They're going to dig it up. Do they find everything? No, and that's why we get more oak trees thanks to that wonderful 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 planting i hope you all come to the cafe today 
Uh, it's where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always the Heimlich maneuver, and gravy is considered a beverage, and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders, where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. I spoke in Hastings, Nebraska. That's where Edward Perkins created Kool-Aid. When I was growing up, the neighbor kids called it bug juice because their father called it bug juice. <laughs> In 1918, Perkins created Nixotine, N-I-X-O-T-I-N-E, tobacco remedy. Nixotine tobacco remedy. It was designed to overcome tobacco addiction. A lot of soldiers would come back addicted to cigarettes because of the war, and they wanted to stop smoking, even way back then. Well, this included herbs, mouthwash, and a laxative. That would probably probably do the trick. But buoyed by that success, he created Kool-Aid, only spelled it K-O-O-L-A-D-E, and later changed it to the Kool-Aid that we know today with the ending of A-I-D. The powdered mix offered six flavors, raspberry, cherry, grape, lemon, lime, orange, and strawberry. Kool-Aid is the official state soft drink of Nebraska. Hmm. And I like red Kool-Aid, no matter what flavor it is. <laughs> Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your exquisite company. I appreciate you. Hey, thanks, Al. We'll chat with you next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I always love to talk to Al Bad. Hey, it is our